following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. We're starting a new series today, uh, which is an Advent series, and we've called this Christmas Songs. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to look at a couple of songs. And these are not Christmas carols as such, but they are songs that emerge from the biblical text itself. Songs that come out of the the biblical story of the birth of Jesus. And so this morning we're going to look at Mary's song, that song that you've just heard read out in Luke chapter 1. And then in a couple of weeks' time, next week we've got Follow the Star, but then on the 19th of December, uh, we'll come back and look at the song of the angels, the song that the angels sung when they announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds in the fields outside of Bethlehem. And each of these songs has a way of showing us something more about the nativity story, shedding some more light on the significance of the birth of Jesus and the arrival of God into our world, Uh, and the importance of who Jesus continues to be in our lives and in our world today. So today we look at Mary's song. And in all honesty, this may not have been a song as such. She might not have actually sung this. We don't quite know. But it's a very lyrical kind of composition. And, uh, And Mary composed this either at one particular point in time or maybe over a few days as a way of reflecting her thoughts and feelings in response to all that she was going through. So let me give you the context for this, this song of Mary's. Uh, she, she writes this at, at a point where she's already pregnant with Jesus, and she's been visited by the angel who has told her that she's going to give birth to this incredibly uh, important uh, king, messianic figure uh, within Israel. And she knows that uh, this baby has come to her through the Holy Spirit. This is uh, an incredible miracle of God. And Mary has accepted that uh, with real humility and a real willingness to to be used by God, even without understanding much of what was going on probably at the time. And so even though Mary is is willing and available to be used by God, she also would have known that this whole situation was going to cause a massive amount of social stigma for her, a huge amount of social shame. Uh, Mary is is pregnant, and she's not married yet, and in this tight-knit little village of Nazareth, that would have been an absolute scandal. And Mary knew that it was going to be a difficult time, and people were going to think all sorts of things about this situation without understanding really what was going on. And I think what Mary wants to do is to get out of the limelight for a while and just get away. And so she goes to see her relative Elizabeth. As much as anything, I think, just, just to, to get away from her, her situation in Nazareth. So she goes to spend time with Elizabeth, and her, Elizabeth greets Mary. And Elizabeth, of course, is pregnant at this point uh, with John, this baby who will grow up to be John the Baptist. And when Elizabeth greets Mary and sees Mary, uh, we're told that the baby, John, within Elizabeth, jumps, jumps for joy. He kicks inside of her, and by the hand of God, uh, he recognizes the significance of this child that Mary is carrying. And so Elizabeth blesses Mary, 
And Mary responds with the words of, of the song in Luke chapter 1. And it's, it's a really remarkable composition of Mary's. She may not have composed it right then and there. I, I can imagine her maybe taking several days, even weeks, to put her thoughts together. And so much of the song, as you look through it, if you've got some kind of cross-reference Bible, so, so many of these phrases in here are drawn from other parts of, of Scripture in the Old Testament. Mary knew her Bible and she's really drawing together a lot of the verses that, that she would have learned. She's only a teenage girl, but, but she knew the Old Testament so well. And that gave her the language to express to God what she was feeling. There's one particular connection that Mary's song has with another song in the Old Testament, the most significant of these connections. Uh, it goes back to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And it's the song that was sung by Hannah, who was the mother of Samuel. And Hannah, her situation was, was different in a lot of ways, but she was desperately wanting to be pregnant and she, she wasn't able to be pregnant. And then by God's, by God's grace, Hannah eventually became pregnant and, and she had Samuel. And the song that Hannah sings in 1 Samuel 1 is the song of praise to God, the one who has done great things for her and, and lifted her up in, in, in this position of, of she felt humiliation uh, and brought an amazing miracle into her life. And there is all this resonance between Hannah's song and Mary's song. Even though the situation of these two women was, was different in many ways, uh, Hannah conceived this baby through her husband, whereas Mary, this was a complete miracle of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but Mary obviously had looked back at the Old Testament and found Hannah to be a person that she related to. And she found Hannah to be a person that she could relate to her situation. And Hannah's song gave Mary words to express what was on Mary's heart at this point in time. Now, as, as you look at the words in, in Mary's song here, and it runs through from verse 46 through to 55 in Luke chapter 1. There's a theme that runs right through this song. And you can sum the theme up in the word reversal. So much of the language is talking about God lifting some people up and bringing other people down and bringing about this social reversal so that the first become last and the last become first. And there's kind of this upside down way that is totally different to the way that normal social roles are being played out. And as you look at some of these phrases, on the one hand, you've got things like God scattering those who are proud, uh, God bringing down rulers from their thrones, uh, God sending the rich away empty. So there's this idea of people that are clinging to wealth, clinging to status, uh, people who have positions of power, being brought, brought down, being brought low. And on the other hand, then you have these phrases like God being mindful of the humble state of a servant, uh, God lifting up the humble, God filling the hungry with good things. And, and that sense of God is lifting up those who are downtrodden. He's lifting up those who are oppressed. He's lifting up those who are, who are humiliated and struggling in life. And so there is this reversal that's happening where some are being brought down and others are being lifted up. And, and really the song that Mary sings is it's like a, a prophetic word that describes so much of the way that God works through the biblical story 
and, and so much of the way that the nativity story itself is put together, and so much of the way that the birth of Jesus unfolds, echoes the themes in Mary's song. As you think about Mary's own life, uh, she lives out the reality of what she is saying here. You know, when God chose a woman to bear the Savior of the world, he did not choose someone of great wealth. He didn't choose someone of status, uh, someone of influence. He didn't choose someone who represented the elite class within Israel. He really did the opposite. Mary was a very ordinary teenage girl from a very ordinary village called Nazareth. She, she had no influence. She had no status. She didn't have a lot of money. She was normal in every, in every possible way. And yet this is the young woman that God chose to bear the Messiah. God bypasses the, the rich and the proud and people in great positions. <clears throat> and he chooses the humble. And Mary, Mary describes herself as a humble servant. Um, she says when the angel visits her, she says, I, I am the Lord's servant, like I am the Lord's handmaiden. And she places herself in that position of, of humility and just simply being surrendered to the will of God. And so there's, there's this idea in Mary's own life of God lifting up, lifting up the humble lifting up the humble servant who was Mary and bypassing those <clears throat> who were attached to wealth, position and status and so on. And then, of course, you see the same, the same sort of themes in Mary's song. You see all of those playing out in the birth of Jesus itself. <clears throat> I mean, we all know that Jesus was born in conditions of absolute squalor and humility. <clears throat> the, the, the situation of this barn surrounded by animals, placed in an animal feeding trough in this makeshift environment, far, far from home, without any of the, 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 the sanitary kind of conditions that we would expect in the birth of any child. And this is the way that God ordained His own arrival into the world in the most lowly, in the most humiliating sorts of circumstances. And, and yet, in the midst of that, the Savior of the world arrives. And so God is lifting up the humble again. And God is using incredibly humble and lowly circumstances to bring about His will and to move His story forward towards its climax. And at the same time, in the Nativity story, you see the opposite. You see God bringing down the proud. And you think of someone like Herod. In the Nativity story, Herod is the, the self-proclaimed king of the Jews. He's the one who's got the power. And he sees Jesus as being a threat to his rule, so he wants to get rid of him. And yet Herod is just made to look like a fool in the story. He's duped by the Magi. His plan to kill Jesus is, it, it fails. And, and Herod is left looking like he doesn't really have much of a clue. And so the proud and the rich and the powerful, exemplified by Herod, are brought down. And God doesn't work through those means and through those people, but He works in these, in these humble, lowly conditions to enter into our world. So the whole story of Jesus' birth picks up these themes that Mary is singing about here, God bringing down those who are exalted and God lifting up the humble. And of course, you can continue to trace that theme. You can trace it right through the, the ministry and the life of Jesus. You think about the people Jesus interacted with and the things that he taught. There is a constant theme of Jesus lifting up the humble. 
and filling the hungry with good things. You, you can think about the miracle of feeding the 5,000. You could think about his healing miracles, lifting up the humble, and at the same time, sending the rich away empty. Just think of the rich young ruler who literally walked away downcast because he couldn't do what Jesus asked him and part with all of his wealth. So this is the, this is the nature of Jesus' ministry. There is this reversal that is constantly happening. Those who are great in their own opinion are being brought down. Those who are lowly, those who are marginalized, those who are powerless are being lifted up. And the great climax of all this happens through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And of course, this song that Mary sings ultimately points us towards the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, this great reversal really reaches its pinnacle uh, through the dying and the rising of Christ. When you think about the death of Jesus, it, it was the most lowly event imaginable. It, the suffering of, of Jesus, his brutal execution and, and torture and death, it was a situation of total humiliation, a situation of total shame. Jesus was totally humbled. And yet, in his resurrection, God lifts him up. Jesus himself is the one who is then lifted up and, and exalted and given the name that is above every name, that one day at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so Jesus is the one who is, who is lifted up and exalted, even from that, that lowly and despised position on the cross, thought to be cursed, and yet Jesus is raised up by the hand of God. And, and the great rulers, the great emperors of the Roman Empire, who were the dominant, powerful figures at the time, their names and legacies have come and gone from history. The Roman Empire eventually faded from the scene, and yet Jesus continues to live on as the risen Lord, ruling and reigning over his creation. And so the death and resurrection of Jesus represents this ultimate great reversal that Mary is, is singing about here. Some being brought down and Jesus being lifted up. And, and really, that the song that Mary is singing, it continues to be sung today. This is not just something that God did 2,000 years ago. This is who God is. The, the, these words that Mary is saying, they, they represent the very nature and heart of God himself. Uh, not just a one-off activity, but this is the way God operates in the world. Uh, those who consider themselves to be first become last in the kingdom of God. Uh, those who are often last become first. Those are the ones who, who are lifted up by God in his kingdom. This is the pattern of God's working in the world, lifting up the lowly and, and bypassing uh, those who attach themselves to wealth. God is not attached to the things that we often attach ourselves to. You know, we make a big deal of, of wealth. Uh, we value influence. We love people of influence. We pander over celebrities, people who have profile, people who are well-known. We love people who are successful. We still, even, even as Christians, we do this without thinking about it a lot of the time. But we attach ourselves to the status symbols of our world, money and power and influence. We gravitate towards those things. We still think those are markers of success. And yet God bypasses all of that. God is really not interested in any of those things. He just doesn't care about them in the way that we care about them. And so often God just moves straight past all of those status symbols and he uses those who are humble and he uses those who may be in lowly positions 
And God often works in the quiet ways, in the unseen ways, and the ways that, that, that are never noticed by, by anyone else. Of course, God does dramatic things at times, and God can work through big ways, and there's plenty of that in the Bible. But so often, God works just in the, in the gentle, quiet whispers. It, it might be in the conversation that takes place at the bedside of someone who's sick or dying. And God is present in that space and in that conversation. It may be through the prayer of a child who just uses simple words to pray for their friend or pray for their family member. God is present in that space. God is working in that space. God is lifting up those prayers, drawing them to himself. It may be through the infectious smile of a disabled person who, who lights up the room and encourages other people around them. God works through the most humble of situations, ways that, that we might not think much of at all. These are the people of the kingdom. These are the ways of the kingdom. This is the way in which God works. That's the great reversal that's still taking place today. And as those who belong to Jesus and, and we follow him and we call him Lord, we are called to participate in what God is doing in the world. We're called to reflect these sorts of values in our lives. We're called to live this out in our world. And, and as God is bringing about this, this reversal, we're called to join in with that. And that means not, not getting fixated and infatuated with all of these status symbols like wealth and, and, and status and success, but moving towards those who are humbled, moving towards those who are in need, moving towards those who are maybe despised by other people, who are marginalized, who don't have power, who lack resources, and showing the love of God to them because it's those that God is wanting to lift up and pour his blessing upon. And we've had the opportunity to do that through our Christmas gift project. I know many of you this afternoon are going down to the hub, picking up your vouchers, picking up your gift hampers, and you'll be delivering those to people. As you do that, think of yourself as joining in the song of Mary. That's really what's going on. You, you are continuing to live out these words that Mary is saying. You are lifting up the humble and you are filling the hungry with good things. And, and, and that is what we get to do as followers of Jesus. And I want to encourage you as, you as you go about that to do it with the right mindset. It's very easy when we have something to give and, and we kind of come from a position of being able to help and having the resources to help. It's easy for us to do that from a place of power. And then we can be a little condescending and we can be a little bit patronizing towards people. And I just encourage you to check yourself with that and really make sure that as you engage with people and, and give away these gifts that we're doing that really aware of our own brokenness, really aware of our own need for grace, our own need for a savior, our own need for this gift that God has given us of his son, Jesus Christ, and, and just seeking to, to posture our hearts in the way of humility, in the way of Mary, so that we're not coming at people from any position of superiority. And we know that as we, as we join in Mary's song and, and we look for just these ordinary ways, everyday ways, everyday conversations, to be able to outwork this. We do that with an eye on the future. We do that with an eye on the day when Jesus is going to return and then he is going to bring about the ultimate great reversal. Really, the Song of Mary's, this prophetic word, points all the way to the new creation when God finally will completely overturn the way that we think of society and the way that we think of people's roles. And then those who thought they were first in this world, those that had incredible power, maybe, 
those who were totally self-sufficient and saw no need for God, those who clung to wealth, even the most powerful people in this world, people that we might look up to and be intimidated by and just seem to have extraordinary power. When, when Christ returns, their power will be completely removed from them and, and, and they will be totally powerless before him. The first will be last. And then conversely, those who are last will be first. The people who are first in the kingdom of heaven will be people you've never heard of. People whose names nobody else knows because they have served quietly and faithfully and humbly. But they will be the ones who are lifted up in the final new heavens and new earth. And so God on that day will bring about this total reshuffling of things and, and finally fulfill Mary's song. And so in the present, as we journey through life, as we journey through this Advent season, I encourage you to, to think about this great reversal that God has brought about through the birth and the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and this great reversal that he's continuing to bring about in our lives today. Think about the way that God has lifted you up from being a broken person trapped in your own selfishness and sin and has brought you into his presence. He, he has lifted us up. And so we can use Mary's song to rejoice and to bless God and thank him. We can say with Mary, the Lord has done great things for me. Holy is his name. God has done incredible things for us. No matter how your circumstances are going at the moment, we can look back to Jesus and we can say, in sending his son to pay for my sin, God has done incredible things for me. So let the song release some joy and some, some thanksgiving in your life. And then let it, think, let it make you think about how you can participate in maybe just very small ways in this ongoing work of God, bypassing the trappings of, of status and influence and success and moving towards those who don't have a lot, those who are feeling pain, those who are struggling, those who are in need, those people are around us, they're in our families, they're in our workplaces, they're in our communities, they're in our churches, and we can move towards them with the same love that God has moved towards us. So let's allow Mary's song to be our song that we continue to outwork in our lives as we look back to God's goodness and we look forward to his returning and we seek to participate and what he's doing in the world in the midst of the times that we're living in today. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to thank you that you entered into this world in a way that really did turn everything on its head. The ways that you work are so different to the ways that we often work and think and operate. God, help us in our minds and hearts to, to adjust to this, this totally new way of seeing people, seeing life, and seeing reality. Lord, help us to have open hearts towards others. Help us to look for where there are opportunities, to lift others up, to be a blessing to others, to lift up the humble, to fill the hungry with good things. Lord, bless us as we, as we take these gifts and items out to people over the next week or two. We pray that that would spark great conversations and just rich interactions, Lord, that, that might lead to people being more drawn to you. Lord, help us to value the things that you value and turn away from the things, the values that are just not part of your kingdom. Give us hearts of humility. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the truly humble king among us. Help us to live in that way, following the way of your humility. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. 
This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.